back to the Coaches Rising podcast. Every now and then I record a podcast which really stops me in my tracks and this conversation today with Sam Isaacson was one of those. I mean, don't get me wrong, all my guests are incredible, but there's something about our conversation today. We're going to be exploring the disruption that AI and AR and technology can bring into the field of coaching. There's something about this topic that's so timely and on one level thrilling and another level disturbing. And so I thoroughly enjoyed this. And if you're a coach, I recommend you listen to the whole of this podcast carefully. So briefly, what we'll talk about today, we'll talk about how Sam sees the field of coaching being disrupted in the coming years with the types of technology that's coming, what types of coaching will be left over for us to do, what types of skills and capacities could we train as coaches that will help us remain relevant and in the game, how might we adapt and begin to harness technologies, and Sam will share some of the ways that he's doing that using AR and AI in his coaching, and we'll also explore the ethical dimensions of all of this what role could coaches play in shaping the way that coaching technology is developed in a way that enhances humanity? So just a few more words about Sam. Sam is a coach. He has a background as a technology risk consultant. He has published several books, including Superhuman Coaching, 10 Technologies That Expand Coaching Beyond What's Humanly Possible. I recommend you follow him on LinkedIn. He's posting really relevant and interesting articles and often speaks at conferences on podcasts. He's also the chair of the UK government's Coaching Professional Apprenticeship Trailblazer Group and sits on the advisory boards for several of the big coaching professional bodies. Just before we dive in, if you're not on our mailing list, you want to join our ever-growing community of conscious coaches, coaches doing deep transformational work, then you can head to coachesrising.com, scroll down the homepage there and you'll see a sign up box just put your name in there you'll stay in the loop about all things that we create which are not this podcast and if you would share this podcast i'd really appreciate that or any of the other podcasts i'd just like to get the word out as much as possible all right so let's dive in here is the podcast with sam isaacson all right sam uh, it's really good to be with you i'm excited about our call today but uh, let me just ask first like how are you this I guess this morning still, yeah. And this is a, a luxury for me because most of my guests are like on the West Coast of the US. So, uh, but you're in the UK, I think. I'm just assuming yeah. you're British. Yeah, but how are right. you this morning? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, I love Mondays. I feel a lot of energy there. The kids are out of the house and it's nice and quiet. And I just get to kind of see what the week has in store. Um, it's overcast here, which is very typical for London. And so, yeah, I'm I'm in a good mood. Nice, nice. And actually, uh, we're going to talk today about uh, your AI and coaching and um, even a broader sense of what might be coming on the horizon. Well, maybe that's not even the way to say it. What's here right now that, mm. that could be disrupting the field of coaching in terms of technology, things we could even use in our coaching and we'll maybe even get to this topic of, of um, you know, uh, this article you wrote, When Coaching Grows Up and how we contract and monitor coaching in organizations. But mm-hmm. um, I'd actually love to just ask first, like, could you let us know a little bit about who you are, basically, and what, what you're up to? And you've had this journey in the field of coaching and 
just kind of give us a brief sense of like, yeah, you know, um, who you are. Yeah. Do you know, I was thinking about that this morning because I'm, I'm do- doing a, a webinar later on this week. And so I was pulling together my, how should I introduce myself slide? And I just, my instinctive thing to do was just to fill the slide with the word coach. I think I'm just a coach. I'm just kind of an ordinary coach. And I'm just curious about some stuff. And my background is in technology risk consulting. And so I kind of know about what that looks like. I've worked in professional services firms for many years. And so that's kind of shaped me, made me quite risk averse, made me quite aware of systems and how organizations work and what technology does when it starts to interact with the way that people interact. And then over the last what, 10 years, I kind of became a coach and went through, I think, a relatively typical coaching maturity process that I'm still on of moving from coaching looks like a one-to-one conversation where I ask you open questions, follow a model, and you go away with an action. And I feel like I've done a good job through to discovering coaching can be a tool for societal change (laughs) if we approach it the right way actually you know and working with leaders to help them to understand where their place is in the world and the sort of influence that they can have and the sort of legacy that they want to lead and how to do that well that fascinates me I guess and so yeah over the last few years I've kind of taken that background in technology understanding and my passion and interest around coaching and those of mixed up with each other into a a new little soup. I've written a couple of books about coaching with technology on that journey. I ended up joining a big digital coaching provider. And so I've kind of seen what that's like on the inside. And now I'm floating free, working with a whole range of different people to help them to think those issues through and to try and have as wide an influence as I possibly can, really. Nice, nice. And actually, something you just said that I want to ask you about is to see see if it brings anything up. Uh, you said, yeah, from like starting out with coaching and it was, you know, this sense of asking open questions and, you know, uh, maybe clarifying tasks people might do to then feeling like, oh, yeah, I can actually have an impact on leaders and have you know, some influence or some some impact in societal change. And I'm just curious for you, um, yeah, like what's been important in that that transition, and where are you at with that now? Like, how, how are you how are you feeling that that your coaching might need to evolve, or coaching itself might need to evolve, in order to fulfil on that sense of societal impact? It's a big question. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might approach this from a couple of different directions because I think when I started out as a coach, really, it was it was really simple. I just enjoyed the process. You know, I enjoyed sitting with somebody and just asking them questions and seeing what would happen. And that it felt really nice. You know, I remember coaching somebody really early on in my coaching journey when they were looking for a career change. And so we had at a real basic level, what would you like to achieve? Oh, okay, and how might you go about getting that? And then they just came up with some solutions and then they went and had this career change. And that's, that's a really nice feeling. And as I kind of progressed through that, I discovered that the more time people spent reflecting on a situation and the decisions that they were making, 
the more it became a question of the underlying principles and philosophies that they wanted to follow. And the conclusion that I drew is that, that there is nobody I've ever worked with where we have gone through that process and they have chosen to be more unkind than they would have been at the beginning. It's like there are these driving, you know, big fundamental concepts where even the person who is driven instinctively to the most selfish thing, when they're when they take time to slow down and think about it, what is it I really want to do? Actually, they choose to do the thing that is the kindest because that's what that's what they really want to, you know, at their deepest level. And as as my thinking was maturing on that and kind of growing in scale, I thought, you know, coaching, this is the the phrase that ran through my head. And I'm going to write about it at some point is that coaching is a tool for systemic kindness. Because when you can work with leaders and help them to become, I think the word ethical is a little bit loaded, but more ethical, you know, kinder in the decisions that they're making, there's the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who then get impacted by that. It, it multiplies, doesn't it? Culture changes. So that's kind of been running along in the background, this, this developing, you know, coaching. Oh, wow, it could be so much more powerful. And then as I kind of touched on in what I said before, because I understand how organizations work and the importance of those boring things like governance and risk and control, and actually they're really important. They help organizations to operate. I understand those things. I understand the power that coaching can have. And I recognize where technology is and technology is just around us all the time, whether we like it or not. It feels like these three worlds we can align those and speak to a leader and help them to, for example, you know, simplest things, well, simple, <laughs> simple and difficult, become aware of their body in the decisions that they're making and do that within an organizational setting where there are policies and procedures and cultural shifts that are happening in the organizations and wider stakeholders that they're working within and recognize the role that technology is playing and incorporate that into the experience so that it's all working together in a way that is moving into the future and isn't just giving people a nice experience of something now. It feels like there's something there. <laughs> and because of the pace of change around AI in particular at the moment, and, and metaverse and blockchain and other things that are kind of coming down the pipe, I feel like there's a real sense of urgency that kind of as coaches, we kind of need, I think we need to catch it and, you know, notice what we need to do, you know, to put ourselves in the right position to support the people that we're working with as best we can. Yeah. What would you say about that? You know, how can, because I mean, there's so many different paths we could follow from what you just shared, but I'll just pick up that one. Like, how do you think coaches could prepare themselves to, support leaders and organizations in this way well i think look step one is just we need to keep educating ourselves and i think coaches we are as um as likely to do this as anybody else even though we work in the field i think maybe we're a little bit more aware but it's tempting to surround ourselves with that little echo chamber so actually when you when you see a, a webinar appearing in the calendar that people are sharing on LinkedIn and the person speaking at the webinar is the same person that you've seen 
at every conference for the last 20 years and you've got all of their books and you almost, you know, you could probably deliver the presentation as well as they could, but it's tempting to go because you feel like, oh, I always like it when I go there and they always ask me a question that makes me think and they'll give me a downloadable sheet of good questions to ask and I can go and take that into my practice. It's just too comforting. And wouldn't it be exciting if the whole coaching industry said, actually, we're all going to go to a technology conference and we're going to understand how AI works? Because if we understand that, then we're going to be able to support the people that we're working with a lot better. So I think it's just all about education or pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zones, understanding about technology in particular. That's, that's step one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go there in a moment, but I just want to ask you, like, who are you uh, going to? Like one of the, let me just rewind a little bit. One of the things on this podcast we want to do is actually introduce people to ideas outside of the field of coaching as well. Yes. Yeah, so things that are highly relevant to coaching, you know, and directly about coaching, but also topics that are that are outside the field of coaching, but can, you know, inform the field itself and, and recontextualize the work that we do. Uh, because, you know, like I always give this analogy, I was a drum and bass DJ, you know, in the nineties and um, you know, it was influenced by all these different musical styles. And at some point it became very insular and then it, it's kind of like the life died out of it. You, you could just feel that the innovation wasn't there. And so that's, that's part of the ethos of this podcast. So, like I want to ask you about AI and tech in a moment, but where do you go? Like, who are you listening to right now that you think we should be listening to? And I know you're doing your own webinars and stuff. I really highly recommend people check out your your books and your articles and follow you. So you're one of those people to me. And I'm just curious, like, where where are you going? Like, yeah, outside the big names or, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Well, I mean, um, that there is an extremely small number of people that I think sit in the same space that I do in terms of, you know, the intersection between coaching and cutting edge technology. I mean, a name, and this is, is just a, as a, a little rabbit hole. It's not very deep because there's not many people that are doing it. Uh, but Nikki Treblanche is the name of a professor in South Africa. And he's done really the only peer reviewed research into an AI coach delivering coaching and seeing what the impact is within quite narrow boundaries. And there are a couple of other names that are kind of connected with that. You know, David Drake, Woody Woodward, based in New York. Um, there's a, a company in Germany called Evoch um, with Anka Paulik and Rebecca Rutschman, and they're doing they're doing some stuff around technology a bit more broadly, and particularly thinking about AI. But I do think that the place that I get the most value from um, is just the TikTok algorithm. <laughs> so say more about that. Yeah. <laughs> so in your TikTok, uh, you know, it was interesting. The algorithm was showing me <laughs> a video this morning talking about how TikTok isn't a social media site and how people who are kind of my age and above look at it and they go like, oh, it's more social media. And it kind of is. But it isn't the same as like Facebook, where you're primarily connecting with people that you know or following people that you're familiar with. It's designed to give you new content that it thinks is somewhat related. So if you can train the algorithm where you download TikTok and on your first day, 
you just just start looking up AI tools, for example. What find a bunch of videos and watch that, and then over the next couple of days, you'll just see it will throw more and more and more new tools at you that you couldn't ever have imagined on your first day. But because then you check it every so often, then you just suddenly get exposed to to new things. So the thing that I did this morning, <laughs> I managed to I found a tool that allowed me to replicate Gordon Ramsay's voice, telling people to come <laughs> to my webinar. <laughs> well, I think you know that. Just doing something like that, actually, that's using the technology that's available today to expose us to things that we wouldn't have access to otherwise. And like I say, it really is a small number of people that are heavily questioning um, that this crossover. What what I like about what you're doing, and this is something that I want to invite coaches into, is that you know, rather than, um, which is kind of what we're doing now. Yeah. So this is also important. We're talk, we're going to talk about AI and coaching. We're talking about that now. Uh, you're actually immersing yourself in the direct experience of, of how technology can influence who you are and what coaching is and what technology is. And that, that to me is, you know, I'm thinking a lot about ontological design at the moment. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of like, um, practicing and playing in that kind of s- sensibility, you know, uh, of, of, you know, and, and that will give you different kinds of experiences and insights into the possibilities around how you could deploy tech and coaching than if you're just, just reading about it in a book. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the thought that's just struck me as you said that is, that we need to be careful around technology because it introduces change and not, we're not aware of all of that change. So that the easy, the textbook example of that is social media, where in the first instance, Facebook was a lovely way for you to stay connected with your friends and to rediscover old relationships that you'd, you know, you'd fallen out of touch with people where your parents could keep up to date with what their children were doing without, having to just ask them question after question on a weekly phone call isn't that nice it keeps us connected and then it turns out that it turns it into these little echo chambers and polarizes opinion and spreads fake news where those are side effects that nobody would have nobody would have wanted you know facebook hasn't designed that into their algorithms but it's what's happened and so I think whenever we're engaging with technology, particularly the really new technology, which has never been done before, to do that consciously and actively aware of oh, what is this actually doing? I think it's important for us to be thinking that stuff through. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of pivot in a moment, but I think we're getting into something really important here. Like I was also listening to um, Cadell last and Daniel Frager talking about ontological design. Daniel Frager has a book on that topic. And, you know, basically one of his main premises is just like this, uh, this yeah technology is going to be so potent. It is already, and that's only going to increase in the ways that it can kind of like influences on this, on this mm-hmm. both like um, conscious, but subconscious level, sub perceptual level that, you know, we need to, um, we need to be aware of that and to kind of start thinking about how we can, how we can, you know, find our own sovereignty inside of this, you know, and, and that you need to put deep thought around that and learn around it. And so, mm. 
Um, you know, and it's an on, deep ontological question. You know, it becomes then about who who are we in any moment, and how are we being designed by what we've designed into the world. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, you know, on the more uh, you know pessimistic side, there's potential for like kind of brainwashing. You know, mass brainwashing in a sense. And then on the positive side, there's a huge potential uh, for the evolution of humans in the world. So, um, yeah, let's let so so yeah, maybe we're getting into the weeds there, and maybe we need to set a bit more like kind of broader context. I mean, I just want to ask you, you know, could you speak into uh, the the you know how you feel technology is going to be disrupting? the field of coaching basically um, just give you full license to, to go anywhere you want around that. And then we can talk about maybe how we might incorporate it. So, yeah. So this is, um, oh, it's, it's purely speculation, isn't it? And so that we've got to do it a bit playfully while recognizing that it's a real thing. And particularly at the moment, there are a couple of emerging technologies that are, you know, if, if they don't, properly disrupt the coaching industry i'll be flabbergasted <laughs> so if you look at the journey that coaching has gone on over the last 10 years this concept the democratization of coaching has emerged and coaching used to be really expensive service provided only to the most senior people in an organization and then L&D departments kind of developed out of that and thought, oh, you know, it'd be good for more people to get access to coaching. And so the concept of internal coaching pools grew up and the idea that you might be able to work with a larger provider that would make coaching available to more people at a, a lower cost because you're doing it at scale, that grew up. And then development of technology that allowed you to put that power right into people's, onto people's desks, you know, through their laptops or even onto their phones lowers that cost again because then you can do it globally so you can recognize exchange rate differences and all of this and so we've kind of reached a point now where with these digital coaching providers the biggest ones particularly the idea that coaching could be available to everyone is is kind of there planted in people's minds now the truth is that if that there's a far greater number of coachable people as in people who are within organizations, than would be able to be met by the current number of good quality, you know, accredited coaches in the world. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels like there's always, you know, people, coaches are always trying to find work. And what's happening at the moment, particularly ChatGPT is the particular product that has kind of hit all of the headlines. And it isn't the only one, but it's quite accessible and it's very surprising for people who have never interacted with ai you know conversational ai that's good before it doesn't take long i was literally doing it this morning it doesn't take long to write a couple of prompts into chat gpt to turn it into a coach that is at least as good as a foundational qualified coach it's only text and there isn't a relationship and there isn't that, there isn't the presence of another human being in the conversation. And so you have to kind of work with what you've got. But for what it is, it is at least as good, demonstrably at least as good, probably better than any human coach doing the same thing. 
So I know if I were responsible for running coaching for an organization of 100,000 people, and I can go up with a digital coaching provider and get a huge bill at the end of the month and get coaches for everybody, or for a fraction of the cost, just to pick a number, let's say it's as high as 5%, and it probably wouldn't be as high as that. I could get coaching that, let's say, is 80% as good, which is all that's needed for most people. Still with the option of having human coaches for the, you know, those exceptional cases, you know, there are certain people going through a transition or dealing with something particularly thorny where a human is needed. But I know what I would do every day of the week. I'd go for the cheaper option and get something that's for pretty much just as good. I get it for a, a tiny, tiny fraction of the cost. And that allows me to focus on things that make a bigger difference. This push for the democratization of coaching over the next few years, I just think it's going to go towards you know, a few people who develop a conversational AI that works in a coaching context. And if you could tie with that with some other AI tools that are out there, for example, get an avatar generator that looks really human, that generates a new one every time. So, you know, you want to pick a coach that looks like somebody you want to work with, just keep on hitting regenerate until you find somebody you like the look of, and then off you go, you work with them. That can then get animated so that the text that you're speaking to it gets turns into you know, so a digital prompt that then they can understand and then it gets played back through them speaking to you. So for all intents and purposes, you are having a conversation with a human. It just happens to be an animated picture on your screen instead of the video of the person which you're seeing, which is not that different, actually. And a lot of coaches sit still a lot of the time, so there's really not much difference at all. <laughs> and when you think about other technology that's come in, particularly around augmented reality, when people will be interacting through avatars probably as much as they will be through video. The difference in terms of the felt experience of being coached by a human and not, I, I gonna, that line's going to become quite blurry, I think. That might take a few years for that to happen. But yeah, in the next few, I think coaches, I think we just need to, you know, like I say, get educated about what's happening and then discover, well, what is it about us as humans that makes it uniquely different? Because if you're super good at using a grow model, you're teaching yourself to be robotic and robots are better at being robotic than we are. All right, boom. <laughs> Let me stop you there before you say anything else because, Sorry. you know, there's a, there's like there's so many things I want to ask you about there. Um you know, first of all, I'm like, wow, okay. You know, I kind of had a sense of what you were going to say, but when you lay it out so starkly, I'm like, all right, then uh, maybe I better <laughs> start looking at uh, training to do something different, you know. Um, I know this is an impossible question in a sense, but what what's your sense of the timeline of all of this, you know, where, you know, maybe the initial phase is like, yeah, companies start using something more like a chat GTP style uh, AI coaching, but then, you know, moving into, you know, this kind of avatar, human avatar, human-esque avatar kind of experience. What's your sense of the timeline of that? It is a really difficult question because um, the technology is all here right now. So if somebody just chose to do it today, 
I mean, how long is an agile development life cycle? Three weeks in most places. You know, you could you could turn that around and start offering it to the market commercially. We're recording this in February, right? So February 2023. It could be out by the summer. And so you could be using it at scale in an organization by quarter three of 2023. And so then it's just going to be a case of it continuing to develop to a point there will be some kind of teething issues with oh it's not going to quite work like that and now we've learned and we've developed it a little bit so let's be let's be really conservative and say end of 2024 (laughs) there'll be something that's kind of available at scale and organizations will use it the practicalities of it are that people tend to sign in for like three-year supplier deals so it's probably going to be 26 before takes things over completely i don't think it's a um you know i I don't think i'm kind of going around with a placard on saying the end is nigh for coaches who want to do that as a a career and i was saying to this when when we met um the first time you know i was talking about coaches rising as a as a concept exists because of technology you know you could do the same things that you were doing and people have been doing that historically in person you know book out a hotel come along for a couple of days learn with a great teacher and then you've had a great experience and coaches rising says i will do that at a fraction of the cost and you can do it from anywhere you like in the world and we could even do it asynchronously if we want to and then the cost suddenly comes down for everybody you get access to this really high quality content you wouldn't do otherwise and still people are going hiring out hotels so it's not that it it doesn't completely displace that that part of the world. It just offers people more options. So it changes the shape of things. And we need to rethink, you know, if you're going to do that in person, you kind of need a reason why now. So uh, before we might look at, like, how do we adapt, you know, uh, as an individual coach, as a, as a field, um, maybe that's even interesting you know, to put it that way, how do we adapt as a field? Because that is the field adapting, you know? It's just that um, I'm, I, I'm saying AI isn't part of the human element of that. Mm. Um, but, like, just I want to stay with what do you think the consequences might be, you know, in terms of, like, the the field? Do you think that it might be that suddenly um, there is enough coaches? You said before, like, there's far greater number of coachable people and, you know, they're just not getting access to those coaches. You know, there's not enough coaches. So do you think, oh, it will be actually really positive? Uh, yeah, suddenly those people will be coached. Do you think that, no, suddenly uh, there's going to be 50%, 70% of coaches are going to be out of work because, yeah, someone's decided, hey, I can pay 5% and uh, mm. get the, get 80% of the results? I mean, all of these things again i know it's hard to say yeah 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 and they're all there's so many different factors that are feeding into it so it's there's an easy case to make to say that it would increase the amount of coaching that happens because at the moment in most organizations coaching isn't available for everybody and some in some it is but most it isn't if you get in the top five percent then you'd think like we're big fans of coaching in our organization so there's a huge number of people that aren't getting any access to coaching at all. If suddenly it becomes the case that there is a good quality way to get people the experience of 
facilitated self-reflection let's call it that's not coaching if it's an ai doing it because you need a coach and a robot isn't a coach it's a machine if we say that everybody has now got access to this because it's good low cost high quality helps our organization mature all of those good things suddenly the number of organizations that are interested in that as a tool and recognize the value and then start to spot oh but actually our executive team could really do with some human style coaching suddenly it will feel like the number of coaching opportunities has increased but they become a lot more exceptional so actually there's a lot of coaching work out there at the moment where you enter into the conversation and you have the opening conversation and it's just educating the coachee about what coaching is and then the second session you're asking them what would you like to achieve and it's some version of i'd like a promotion and then you end up talking about this is how you deal with internal politics this is how you deal with your personal brand this is how you deal with some kind of executive presence or you might use different title for it it's the same kind of basic stuff that you just kind of get out again and again I can't see that being the case if there's a tool out there that's already doing that, because as soon as it comes across the instance, then they'll work on it, train it, and it'll come up with a good way of dealing with it that then that gets offered to everybody. So the only things that coaches, human coaches will be dealing with are the odd cases where somebody is just dealing with something that is so ambiguous so difficult to deal with, so difficult based on their personal experience that they need a human who can deal with the nuance and just sit with them in it. And I think that's the much, it's much more interesting. You know, as a coach, I much prefer coaching that kind of thing. Yeah. So that, cause that I, I've been talking with, you know, some of the really experienced coaches I know. And the first thing to say is, without question, all of them have been through the same journey as me, where at first you're like, yeah, you know, it it you can't you can't replace human to human contact. Uh, you know, it'll be able to cover like the bottom 25% of coaching, and then you know, the rest will be for for us, you know. And then slowly as time's gone on, or quickly, should I say as time's gone on, it's like, oh, bloody hell, that's a lot better than I thought. Oh, yeah, wow, that guy from Google, uh, they had to like show move him out of the door because he started to think that it was sentient. You know, mm-hmm. um, wow. Okay. And so that bar is just getting higher and higher, basically. Uh, and so I therefore wonder what kinds, we're getting into this question now, what kinds of coaching will be left over for humans to do? And I think this is, you're speaking into now, it's like, yeah, these like these ambiguous cases. Um, uh, for me, I wonder what you think about the the quality of the, the the coach's consciousness will become even more important that, you know, there's some coaches that I've worked with where you, you meet them and then it's like, boom, wow. You can just tell the depth of the work that they've done and they, their capacity to kind of subtly sense uh, what is happening for you and bring that into a conversation in a compassionate way, not like this is who you are, but to, to begin to name things they're seeing has been so transformational. And that, yeah, there are these, you know, even we might even say transpersonal qualities that can come online, you know, like uh, qualities of presence, love, uh, wisdom, strength, uh, that can even have a transmissive effect, you know, it might sound a bit woo-woo, but it, 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 I think 
the more I've experienced them, the more I'm like, oh no, these are just part of human experience. It's just not mainstream. So um, I guess I'm getting to like, what what kinds of coaching do you think will be left over? Um, may, maybe uh, what I'm talking about is just, um, you know, well, that's really nice to have, but does it really impact day-to-day organizational life and leadership? Yeah. Well, so this is what I was um, thinking about when I said whatever it was I said to, kind of towards the beginning about, you know, leaders for the future, where it feels like organizations and leadership, the model of leadership has come out of this sort of 20th century idea of the organization is a machine. And if you can make the machine as efficient as possible, then you've done your job well. And it, uh, clearly that doesn't work. Like it works works in some ways, you know, it iteratively helps you to improve, but actually the things, the most successful organizations in the world today are the ones that have just come along and gone, how about we just do this thing that has never been tried before and we've got no idea what it's going to do. And, you know, a thousand of those organizations are started and 998 of them collapse and two of them change the world. Well, okay. That that's the stuff where kind of we need good coaches working with leaders who can embrace the future in a fully present and aware way, rather than just going, "Oh, we'll just tinker with the machine." The changing, it, it's about humans. The thoughts that come into mind as you were as you were talking just then, partly it's around the, um, risk. So robots are useless more than useless harmful when they are dealing with things that humans have never dealt with before because they own they can only do it in a way that they've observed humans doing it um could you give an example of that like uh... so i was trying to so i think Something that AI is being used for at the moment, for example, is in the cutting edges of maths research. Now, we want to develop this simple example. We want to um, find out what the next few digits of pi are. You know, I don't know how many digits we've got to of calculating pi, but everybody wants to know, you know, what's the next one? Because we're curious for humans. That's wonderful, isn't it? That process Humans have been doing that forever. And you can try new ways to kind of explore how to get that same output. To apply some AI to that is really effective use of the technology, if that's what you're driven to do. Because it will work out what the next digit is, and it will find some new theories, and it will work out the next digit. And it's, it's doing its job really well. But ask that tool to do something that humans have not come up with at all and within the field of maths, I can't think of anything because it's not my field, but there'll be areas of maths that they exist conceptually out there. You know, some, something to do with like dark matter or, or in the quantum space where it's a human who needs to have come up with the idea and gone, oh, okay, let's try and work out what this is. And they need to be applying novel thinking to it. If they had just gone to an AI and said, oh, I seem to be observing that this particle over here seems to be affecting this particle over here. And there's no rational reason why that should be the case. Can you work out why? The machine will come up with all kinds of great theories that are all wrong. They can't be right because they haven't got a background and an ability to create new thinking. 
what it needed was a human to be able to embrace I don't understand this and I know it's true and I'm going to sit in it. This is incredible for me where we are now because it maybe points to how we might play a collaborative role, you know, so that the tech might be throwing out different theories that all could be wrong, but maybe that might support the human's thinking in order to to kind of make that connection. But I think where, where I'm going is, you know, I've been reading Stuart Kaufman's work on uh, emergence and complexity theory. He's a brilliant guy, and I kind of understand about 30% of what he's talking about. But, um, you know, he's basically saying, and again, like I'm going to try and uh, convey his very, very beautiful, uh, eloquent, complex message that, um, yeah, we we can't predict the future, basically, you know, like it's emergent and um, uh, it, it's just too, it's too complex to be able to say exactly what will happen, you know, um, there's too many different factors and um, niches of things that then play off each other and um, and and that got me thinking about, therefore, you know, because basically there's also a lot of that going on in coaching, you know, and consultancy work. Like, let's envision a future. Mm. Uh, what what's the use in that if we can't possibly predict, and that there may even be pitfalls to then, you know, uh, selecting a future based upon minimal minimal information, and then that excluding our awareness of all these other emergent adjacent possibilities, as Stuart Kaufman calls them. So, so anyway, my point is then, what is it, what is it that's guiding that emergence? You know, like there's a, there's, there is something in human beings, something in evolution that, that there's maybe some kind of intelligence or, you know, uh, like, like maybe it's, this is where we get to ethics and love and desire. You know, there's, there's something where we're, you know, why, why would be a human being be considering those two different elements of quantum physics you're naming and, and and what is it inside of us that then you know is that that deep curiosity and wonder that allows us to hold it in a certain way that 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 there's a revelation that takes place and and that capacity itself is something magical about human beings you know that we can come together and 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 sit in this sense of wonder and 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 something can emerge between us and so um I've lost track a little bit of like where, where I, this was coming from, but it, it, I wonder if this, yeah, this might be where there's a differentiating factor that human beings have mm. with AI or not, you know, maybe AI can start to do those kind of things too. You, you just used the word magical. And I know that that word is just, it's silly, isn't it? But it's the, it's the right word that there is something magical about humans interacting it's magic it's inexplicable and when you use a new piece of technology for the first time you know i don't know if you've seen like these 3d screens that are now appearing in the most expensive shopping centers and you know on some streets in big cities when you see it for the first time it is magic and then you go back a couple of times and it's just the screen that there is no new piece of technology. The original iPhone, when people used it, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the clip of the conference. You might have been watching it live like I was. And the sound of the audience, oh, I've never seen anything like this. And now if somebody gave you one of the original iPhones, you would think this is awful. What a rubbish piece of technology. Because technology just gets old. But you never get 
bored of hanging out with humans. It's the same experience that we've had for our whole lives. And still, you look forward to seeing a friend and having a drink together or just having a this conversation today, both of us. I think, you know, we were looking forward to having this conversation. It's magical because we don't know what's going to happen. And I think, you know, an AI, it can observe that kind of thing and it can replicate it so that we experience the illusion of a nice conversation. And it can it can be helpful. I don't think it's magical. That's that's where yeah. my heart in it is. That I think coaches, we've we know that there's something that's magical about coaching. We kind of we have it in there and it's nice. And then we learn a model. The coaches love a model. You know, we'll go to a conference and somebody'll have a nice printout and we can learn how to use this model. Then we go and try and apply the model and it works and then it's great. And then we get bored of it. We want to we want to turn it into something else. And that's where the magic happens because then it's because you and I have been having a conversation and this model in itself just something about it where I just want to, you know, I'm looking at you. I just noticed there's a picture behind you. I just want to comment on the picture and just draw us into that for a little bit. Like, why not? Right. Yeah. And like, I can feel it now, you know, as with, as, uh, as you're speaking, I'm feeling excited, you know, and, and inspired and curious and, and I can feel it in my body, you know, and, 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 and I can feel there's an intimacy here, like a co-exploration and, uh, and that it, that does feel magical and incredibly meaningful to me. So you know, I appreciate that. And and uh, and so you know, I we've been talking in Coaches Rising about then what you know, uh, what are these differentiating factors? Like you, you mentioned models, so it's so maybe the the you know, and we mentioned the grow model. So maybe it's like more and more AI will take over uh, the 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 deployment of something like a model, mm. which is useful. But, you know, at least in my own coaching journey and many coaches I've spoken to, there's this, you know, this moment where you realize like the magic isn't necessarily, of course, amazing things can happen by taking someone through a, a process. So I'm not denigrating that, but yeah. but there's this place beyond all that where you're in the the direct, you know, experience, the magic of being human together, which is both on one side, incredibly um, natural, you know, like it's simple and, and, and here we are, we're together, you know, and on the other side of it is an art, you know, like I, I named these coaches before mm. and my own journey where you, know, you can train that capacity to, to be attuned in the moment with somebody and sensing what's unfolding and, and, and picking up on things that, you know, five years ago as a coach, you were like, if you saw another coach doing that, you were like, that's magic. What, that's magic what they just brought in there and so um and, i mean i guess it like tees up this question i have for you sam which is like what you know i'll i'll, I'll do the poor interviewing thing here and, and put a few questions together what what kinds of tr ways do you think coaches need to train that will be that'll have a longer shelf life you know than for example maybe doing a grow model someone who's training people to do grow models is listening to this. They're probably like thinking, Oh my God. But, um, so what ways do you think coaches need to train that, that could train that, that has a longer shelf life? And, and then I think that that opens us into this question of like, well, how, you know, what other, what other things we haven't talked about augmented reality much? Uh, what, what ways can we basically adapt with this, you know? So maybe we need to focus on that. Like, 
you know, there's an incredible potential here, isn't there, too? And how, how might we adapt to, to move along with this? Mm. But, uh, yeah, but first that question about what, what ways of training might have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, look, if your job is training people to use Grow, don't stop doing that. It's not unhelpful. And if somebody has never come across the concept of leading people through questions before or through you know giving space and listening then a nice model that people can just pick up and they can remember the name they can go through the acronym and they can structure a little conversation that's based around it it's really helpful so it's not it's not bad i'm not against grow or any other model what i would think though is it is designed even if it's not always applied like this it is designed as a linear sequence of questions and even if there's some choice in kind of exactly how you'd frame the questions it's basically the same question what is your goal you can come up with different words but that's the question so if all you're doing as a coach is you are delivering this model you're following a process as closely to the process as you can you know, success is conformity. That would seem to me like a machine will come along and they will observe you, thousands of other people doing the same thing, and it will find the optimum way of doing it. And then it will beat all of you for cheaper. That's, that's just how it works. So I feel like the things that coaches could be doing that are going to keep them a step ahead of where the technology is, is anything that's a bit irrational. Um, the, the, the area that comes into mind immediately is like somatic coaching. But even that, because often when you're trained in somatic coaching, you're taught a particular sequence, you know, use this kind of metaphor to help somebody to notice where their head is. You know, start with the soles of their feet and then work your way up the body. You know, whatever it happens to be, a machine will observe it and will be much better than it. What a machine can't do yet, and it isn't really on the horizon, it probably will come. What a machine can't do is feel this, you know, sense the same thing that a coachee is sensing. So if you're going to get trained in one thing, I would think it would be tapping into, I mean, you've picked it up as well, emotions, personal values, physical sensations, not just asking questions about these things, but stepping into them ourselves. That feels to me like machines aren't getting there yet or anytime soon. Yes, I mean, that being said, I'm going to throw a quick caveat and then I'll go on to the uh uh, you know, talks about AR. Um, for several years in the development of AI, what people have been saying is, and so Oxford University did some research in the early 2000s, which suggested this. Oh, maybe it was early 2010s, actually. doesn't really matter. But anyway, it was about the fact that it's very easy to automate a linear process. We do this all the time. If you want to book a, a calendar session with somebody, the fastest way to do it is send you their link and you just click the button to book the slot in. In my opinion, you kind of lose the interaction bit that leads up to that. And so I quite enjoy that kind of, oh, when are you free next week? Oh, I'm free at these times. Oh, that doesn't work for me. That's quite an enjoyable experience, but I know it's slow. And it's, it's just because I'm old. 
You know, you hit the button and you book a slot that works for you and magic is done it. But what happened, the prediction was all that's going to happen is things that are a bit more complex, but are still relatively linear. Those will be the next things to be automated. And it's turned out to be surprisingly difficult to do that because there's so many variations of what can happen. And instead, what has emerged as the easiest thing to automate is a level of creativity within boundaries of what humans have already done. So there's a, a wonderful website, which you should just go on and just play with for 30 seconds. This person does not exist.com. When you type that in, it will load you a photograph of a person, but the person doesn't exist. It's an imaginary photograph. It's not real. And then load it again. It will be somebody different, just generated in the moment just a new person because there are so many photographs of humans in the world that it can just generate a new one that looks like it would fit into a catalog of photographs of humans, but they're just not real. They're created in the moment. What AI isn't good at at all. It just can't do it is come up with something that's completely new. It has to be based on a data set. Whereas humans all the time, we go to sleep and we dream things that are impossible. And it's not, it's not even based on data. People will wake up and they've just got this, oh, I dreamt about this shape that doesn't exist. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Shapes are real, but you dreamt of one that doesn't exist because you're human, you can. So there you, sorry, there you go. That's my thing. Shall I yeah. talk a bit about AR? Or yeah, please do. No, I mean, beautiful. I, you know, again, just tuning into the, the the mystery and the magic of being human, you know, the irrationality, the, uh, yeah, the, so it actually gives me hope, you know? Uh, I mean, maybe that's not the right thing. I don't think we're talking about mm -hmm. hope and lack of hope here, but, uh, you know, it, it, faith in, in humanity. So, but yeah, I let's talk about AR. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll just I'll just quickly quote somebody because I think it's quite a nice idea. Erwin McManus, he wrote a book. Oh, God, the Artisan Soul is what it's called. And in the introduction to that, then he has this idea. Um, birds build nests and bees build hives and humans build futures. The thing that we do, the thing that makes us human is we come up with the future that doesn't exist. We can imagine it and then make it happen. No, nothing else does that. It's like that. Nice. Um, yeah, so AR, this was a really interesting thing that's happened over the last six months, actually. There's a lot of people that were talking about Metaverse, me included. Um, and then because ChatGPT came out, suddenly all of those people suddenly were talking about AI because they're, the worlds are somewhat similar in interest, at least, if not in the technology. But the Metaverse is still going on. So... Over the last couple of years, there's been increasing activity, particularly around the Meta Quest virtual reality headset. More people have bought one. There's been more advertising around it. Meta, you know, they rebranded to Meta. And even though they've lost um, a bit of their share price as a result of this investment that they've been putting into it, there's no slowing down what they're doing. And so there's an increased focus particularly from those big players around it's kind of virtual reality that's how it's getting pushed out into people's consciousness is and also in terms of augmented reality which is a digital overlay onto a you know onto the real world so the most recent one that i've noticed of these is um 
there's this TikTok filter called Bold Glamour. And when you put it on, it applies makeup to your face in a way that is, you can't tell that it's not real. I mean, and it's extraordinary. It looks like you've been airbrushed, but in real time. Um, I look quite beautiful, by the way, when I've got all this makeup on. <laughs> um, but that that kind of filter, you know, we think about it. We're quite used to that. Oh, you know, on Zoom, you know, I click this button and suddenly I'm wearing a hat. Well, that's funny, isn't it? But what you what that's doing is it's understanding the real world. It can tell where you are and it can apply something to you so that the appearance is not reality. What What's going to happen over the next couple of years is that this is going to increasingly move away from our phones and directly onto our eyes. And what I mean by that is there are already smart glasses out there particularly in the world of cycling. They like wearing glasses, which will tell them in their ears how fast they're traveling and what distance they've gone, and maybe some level of GPS built into it, so it's telling them what route they should take, but it's kind of overlaid visually onto the road in front of them. So that technology already exists and it's out there. It's not um, it's not absolutely mind-blowing, but it's quite clever that it can understand the world and overlay these pictures on it. In the most recent update of the MetaQuest headset, then it's got cameras on the inside of the headset to detect your facial expression so that it can replicate that onto an avatar, which could be a photo of yourself. So there's a digital version of you that looks like you and is acting like you are doing live in the moment and could be meeting somebody else virtually. And using the VR headset, you could be meeting in a virtual location. So you and I could meet in a boardroom somewhere or a coffee shop or the top of Mount Everest and be having a conversation and we're meeting remotely and it's the two of us existing or appearing as we actually are, responding as we actually are in three dimensions with 360 degree sound. That's that's kind of possible now. But the big thing that's going to happen is quarter one, 2024. That's the date that people have been saying and it hasn't changed as far as I'm aware Apple have said that they're going to release a headset which is not going to need tethering to a phone to connect to the internet or do any of that stuff and is going to be augmented reality. So it'll look the same as a pair of glasses, but it'll have little chips built into it, little cameras on the outside, probably on possibly on the inside. Apple's quite cautious, isn't it? They'll probably put one on the outside at first, which will allow you to make phone calls, check your social media and emails, do all of that nice stuff, but you'll be doing it through a visual lens that only you can see and interact with. And there's going to be a bunch of people who will think, oh, I normally would queue up for the new iPhone, but instead I don't need an iPhone if I would like a pair of eyeglasses or whatever they call them, Apple glasses, Apple look or something. And so they'll just get that instead. And suddenly there'll be this shift. I, I, I can't tell if you're wearing Apple uh, pods yeah yeah, yeah. The, the, i can't tell because when apple did it suddenly everybody had a set bluetooth headphones have been around like forever longer than smartphones but it took until apple said oh we've got a set and we've worked out how to do it in a way that people will buy it and use them and suddenly everybody got them so i i can't understand how we would get to the end of 2024 and smart glasses wouldn't be you know just a common thing to see people using what what do you think 
the implications for coaching might be there. So, you know, I can, I can see there that there's, um, you know, the potentially, well, there's an entertainment advantage for those people wearing the glasses. There's a, there's a competitive advantage in some sense, like, you know, navigating or looking up information. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, how do you think, uh, this might start to, I mean, I can see just if I back up, I can see with the, the augmented reality and, you know, if you're wearing a set and, suddenly you're able to meet a client in the, you know, the pyramids at Giza or, you know, in the midst of the Amazon jungle, you know, how profound that might be in terms of how that influences your, your uh, coaching conversation, the chemicals in your body, the sense of aspiration, you might feel the sense of love for the earth. You know, that's mine. I can't even, that's mind blowing in its implications. Uh, so yeah, so that piece you can, everybody can do that now. It's, it's quite mm-hmm. easy. You can do it with your smartphone. You can get a cardboard headset. You can make it yourself if you want, or you can pay three pounds to have one shipped to you that's got the lenses built into it. And I probably recommend doing that way. It's a bit easier. Slot your smartphone into it. Download the right app, the one that I use. V Time XR is what it's called. It's free. I like it because it's free. Because then it's low barrier of entry. And I have coached people, I've coached people in the Amazon rainforest, in the redwood forests. I've coached people in orbit. I've coached people in uh, like beautiful Japanese gardens. It's, it's amazing the sorts of places that you can go to. And that's nice. But the thing that's really good is the, the spatial sense. So you and I, we're talking on a laptop screen at the moment, the same way that most of us meet most of the time at the moment. And it's just the same two-dimensional rectangle every time. And we know that's quite intense. You know, people end up shouting louder than they would do if we were talking normally. We end up with this Zoom fatigue because we feel a pressure to not look away from the screen, where if we were just here in person, we'd be looking all over the place. We'd be looking at each other and at other things. When you're in three dimensions, though, and the person is physically in the room with you, Suddenly, instead of leaning into the laptop screen, you sit back and you interact with this person who's in your space. You use your hands a lot more. And so your whole everything about you changes. And so it's just really nice. You know, it's a much more pleasant experience. So I think it's um, the, the original question that you were asking was, you know, what should coaches be doing about it? In 2020, there was a huge acceleration into everybody having to use video conferencing. And there were a bunch of coaches that were already using it. And so they just shifted all their coaching clients online where they weren't doing it already and experienced no change. In fact, they benefited, you know, don't lose all the time traveling, don't have to spend my money on all of that side of things. Actually, it's nicer experience, easier to manage. But the thing that moved that was that the coachees demanded, you have to meet me online. And there were some coaches who had not used any Zoom or equivalent up until that point and suddenly were out of their depth, just couldn't deal with all of this change. I need to download this thing every time I log in. I have to remember a password and it's different every time. You know, it's not it's not easy. I don't know what all of these buttons are doing. I can't make the microphone the right one that I want to use at the beginning. It's playing out the speakers instead of out my headphones, you know, just endless problems. 
And it's not a problem, you know, coach, coach E. Now we do them online all the time. We can deal with it. It's easy. But that dealing with the change, that's the difficult thing. And so I think those coaches that can see, ah, in 24 months time, it's quite likely that a bunch of my coaching clients are going to ask me to meet them in AR. Wouldn't it be helpful if in the next six months, I at least start to understand what some of the terminology is or recognize what a headset looks like, go into a shop and just try some out so that it's the first time I experience it is not live in a coaching session. That stuff I think is probably good for us to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm actually, uh, I wonder just continuing this uh, part of our conversation, what, what other recommendations do you have for coaches to, you know, to begin to adapt and get, I don't know if it's about getting ahead of the curve, you know, maybe one of them we've, we've named is, yeah. You know, learning to work with the body, be in the body, attune. talking about AR here. Um, you know, there's all kinds of other things like wearables and um, nootropics and things that, can, you know, can, like, what, what other recommendations do you have that coaches could, yeah. I, I really think um, if we play what happened in 2020 back from a bit of a more objective lens, something that happened that I thought was quite interesting and I experienced it in myself was there was a lot of talk at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, where coaches were talking very confidently about how important it is to deal with ambiguity and to deal with change and to lead in a VUCA world and all of this stuff. And it was really common to talk about that. And then March 2020, we were all told, you have to stay at home. You're not allowed to talk to anybody in person anymore. You've got to do it all online. It was just change forced on all of us, VUCA in real life. And there were some coaches that responded to it really well. And there were some coaches that really didn't at all. And there were a whole bunch of um, support groups set up. You know, oh, what we're going to, we're going to have some thinking circles, you know, from the ICF or whatever. We're going to put some shape space together so that as coaches, we can just sit and be with each other to help us to deal with this change because it's so difficult. And I was observing it thinking, these are the same people who six months ago were teaching the world how to deal with change and now change is happening and they seem unable to, to, you know, to respond in the way that, you know, we know all of the models. It's not about the theories. It's about now we're living it. So I think there's a, I think it was probably in a coaches rising podcast. Actually, I was listening to <laughs> that. It's important that coaches do that deep work on themselves. And so the ability, hey guys, this is a good example. This is something that I do. There's a, a little playful thing I like to do in a coaching session is to use AI-generated artwork to explore as a kind of creative metaphor. So somebody will create an image and then it's their image that they've created based on a prompt that's to do with their topic. And then we can look at the image and kind of explore what does it mean and how can you apply it? It's fun. But sometimes if they don't want to share their screen, I can't see the image. So that's a bit difficult. How do you coach somebody on something that you can't see? Well, what it comes down to, we just need to accept. Okay, I just don't know. But that's all right. I'm still coach. And the coach E knows it all. And we all we all know the theory there. The coach E is always aware of you know all of the content. 
And so we just need to ask them some questions to help them to increase their understanding. Well, we can do that when we don't know. And I think we want to know too much. The, the thing that worries me most about all of this stuff is that the people that are driving the technology agenda aren't coaches. And so we end up getting caught up on a narrative that we don't own or have any influence over. So I'd quite like a bunch of really bright coaches to grab hold of the technology and kind of shape it themselves so that the rest of us can, you know, can get on the right vehicle, as it were. But yeah, I just think sitting in and not knowing for a bit longer than we're comfortable doing is probably most helpful for the people we're working with. I mean, that, that just so I want to pick up the, the other point about the people driving the technology in a moment, but that thing about sitting in the uncertainty, again, I think is a theme of our conversation today, or we, one of the themes, which is uh, what is the um, differentiating factor between, you know, for example, AI and humans, you know, and right now, you know, who knows in the future, but you, may, you named it already, we've got a body, you've got a nervous system, we're, we're a biological you know, entity that is adapted to thrive in the world we find ourselves in, you know, and, and so we can actually leverage that, you know, we can, um, we can develop our capacities to, to, you know, to be in uncertainty, you know, more successfully. And, you know, the, the, all the practice that revolves around that we can, we can be in practices that invites us beyond our rationality, you know, into the irrational, as we named it, which, you know, when we hear that word irrational, we might think, oh, that's a bit like, you know, it's someone being uh, crazy or not doing something sensible, but it's a whole realm of, of creativity and inspiration uh, that, we can, that we can leverage. So I, I, I hear this as being one of the invitations inside of this uh, conversation, which is, Oh, it's just coming to me now, but the, I, I know it's ironic, but the, you know, I think we're talking about technology for me here and how technology is, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of like born out of a certain worldview as well. Oh, how can I say that? You know, there's a certain worldview, like, for example, you named like the 20th century, uh, you know, this kind of Cartesian worldview where we saw ourselves as machines and organizations as machines and, you know, that, that, that was, but it's overly simplistic and reductionist. And, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is that the, 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 the technology might actually invite us even more deeply into, uh, or our biological, uh, humanness, you know, uh, are the other realms of, um, being human that we probably maybe have, uh, given less importance to, you know, uh, we've been privileging the rational thinking mind. It might invite us into those other realms. And so, and that's where we might thrive and collaborate more with AI, not to, not to reject uh, our own, the gifts of our own rational thinking, you know, so important. That's just a thought that comes up. And yeah. So I, I, I hear you basically saying, so did you, how hopeful do you feel about that that might happen? You know, that the coaches might, uh, play a key role in in shaping this technology because you know it seems to me like the ethics of this is is key. You've named ethics and and what are the ethics of some of these people driving these technologies? Is it purely you know to make money? Um, 
and and so yeah how, how do you see that happening and how hopeful are you of it happening do you see coaches playing a formative role and just before you answer that i would hope this conversation itself would be a spark as well for anyone listening to um to get more involved to connect with you to connect with us you know to 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 live into this conversation more consciously so yeah, yeah do you know i think staying connected staying having a nice conversation about it where it's developing and we're learning from each other and we're sparking new ideas within in the realm of coaching that's got to be good and i think mm, you said something there that really that got me really excited and now it's completely slipped my mind what you were saying so that, isn't that interesting? That's a human thing, isn't it? Human machine. Right. AI is not going to do this, is it? No. Which, you know, this novelty might lead us in a whole different direction. I will, I mean, it'll probably come to you as I speak, but I named both the the invitation into other aspects of our humanity that technology might invite that. And also how might we uh as coaches get more involved in in the development of this technology? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there are two things that are connected. It's come back in the, isn't it funny how the human mind works? I love it because you didn't even mention it, but it was the first thing as soon as you started talking that came to mind. <laughs> you talked about, you know, is it just making money that the, the new technology companies are driven by? And in practical terms, then yeah, that is what it is. And it's, I don't think that founders, when they start at one of these things, have this idea of how can I get rich? Oh, well, I'll make some AI tool. They have a good idea, but the only way to make it a reality is to get some funding and the funders that they go to are in it for a return. I mean, that's, that's, that's how they make money. They put money in and then they expect to get a return back. And so then the founders of these companies are then under pressure to have to make money by any means necessary. And so if there's a, when people are in that process before it enters into a stage of maturity where the organization is you know, producing a profit for itself so it doesn't have to rely on external funding. While they're in that space, if there's a choice between do I offer the best thing for the future of humanity or do I make it make more money, the only thing that they're driven to do is to make more money. And so that, that for me is a big, we should have you know, alarm sounds around anything like that. The response, though, is what's important. So in terms of what should coaches be doing, you know, I said earlier about educating ourselves. And I think something that I've just what I've just said there could do the same thing, that the more we educate ourselves and discover what's going on, we can become frightened. And I think to acknowledge that that fear is there and not shy away from it and just embrace it and sit with it, I think is a good first thing to do. And it's really important that we don't act from a position of fear because it's very easy then for us to shy away and say oh well in that case let's just try and reduce the amount of technology as much as possible and that the world is never going to accept that so i think we need to embrace the technology this is way back to the place that we started isn't it we need to embrace the technology as part of what coaching is going to be into the future and part of what society is going to be in the future but be the ones who are heralding ethics and heralding a you know positive future for humanity which sounds like a really grand thing to do but i think you know as coaches that's kind of what we're meant to be doing we can be there calling it out 
And we can't do that when if we see chat GPT coming, just go, oh, no, I'm going to lose my job. You know, that's 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 not the solution. The solution is to go, Okay, what do we all need to do then to be able to respond to this, to retain all of the benefits that we've had up to this point, increase the benefits through this new emergent technology and keep the risk and the ethical issues as little as possible? If anyone can do that, I think coaches can. (laughs) So. That's my call. Amazing, you know, amazing. Uh, I'm thrilled to hear that. And I think it's not grand to say that. It's an imperative, you know. It, it's, uh, we, it behooves us to, to engage in this way. And I think that's what I'm fascinated about in our conversation, that, it, that it's just clarifying for me, is that this is a developmental happening, you know, like uh, we have to, you, you, like you said, we can just kind of like freak out and say, oh, no, or ignore it. But actually it's happening around us. And, uh, you know, coaching is often about how do we how do we uh, respond and adapt to our environment and how it changes? You know, like Keegan's notion of being in over our heads, you know, mm-hmm. um, so so. Uh, you know, we can we can feel the complexity and the uncertainty of the situation, and it's a stimulus for us to to begin to respond and ask these powerful questions that you're bringing in. You know, like what 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 are the ethics of this? What is the vision of humanity that we might have? And and that uh, it, it's it's inviting us deeper and more firmly into those as a as an evolutionary tension. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's the part of this conversation that's crystallizing for me as we say it and and um you know brings a kind of fire inside of me you know like yeah what one response is to be in fear and like you say we want to acknowledge that uh but then the other you know the beautiful side of the pandemic the beautiful side of the uncertainty the beautiful side of the economic uh sorry the the climate devastation we might be facing is that um you know, for all, it might sound a bit crass saying that the beautiful side, but it, it it's it's a uh, it invites us into that uh, deep deep kind of humanity and questioning and, and how do we respond mm-hmm. and how do we love and live in this lifetime? So uh, yeah, I'm I'm like I think this has just been an extraordinary conversation for me, Sam and. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to add, like as we begin to, you know, begin to end this, like you want to share anything. Of course, I want to invite people to, uh, sorry, I want to, well, I do want to invite people to find out more about your work and I want to invite you to share where we can find out more about that. But maybe there's just a, yeah, something you would like to share to, to close with too. Uh, Well, I think I'll close with something I'll, blatantly steal it peter hawkins has got this question what what can you unite what can you uniquely do that the world of tomorrow needs and i think within the context of what we've talked about today it's got to be true that everybody who's listened to this is in a place to do something so why not have a think about that question and then see what the right thing is to do be great Mm -hmm. yeah beautiful where can we find out more about what you're up to? I know you're doing workshops and you've got your books, obviously. And so, yeah, point is in the right directions. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the easiest place is just my LinkedIn. And um, if you look up my name on Amazon or whatever, you'll find the books. 
look at there's one book out there that's got my name on it that is nothing to do with me and you'll know it immediately as soon as you see it but uh you know if you find me on linkedin um i would say you know please do get in touch you know if you've heard this conversation you think oh that was interesting i wonder what this would mean for x y or z there's so much stuff that's out there that none of us are aware of i would love to have conversations about it so see what happens thanks sam here we are we're at the end of the podcast just a, a heads up again if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create then head to coachesrising.com put your name in the sign up box there you'll also find some of our other offerings our online trainings for coaches there and just want to end by wishing you well and i'll see you again next time